Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. Man, God is here. moment between series and so we just wrapped up a series called limitless and that was such a good series how many of you guys enjoyed the series limitless i enjoyed you don't just have to say that because i preached the majority of it like my favorite message was the one that um nathan preached so um but it's been a great series and um I, i've really liked it and and over the last over the course of the last couple weeks the Lord's been putting Gideon on my heart. Gideon, Gideon, Gideon. And when you guys think of Gideon, what do you guys think of? If, if you, what? The, oh, the Gideon Bible? Well, okay, that, that's actually good. I, I like that. Um, what, what else do you think of? The fleece? Okay, so he threw out a fleece. What else do you guys think of? I think about Gideon's 300. 
You know how he had 300 men against hundreds of thousands of Midianites? And so, like, whenever I think about Gideon, I think about that. And the Lord's like, no, 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 I need you to focus on Gideon. And so, normally what we try to do in between series, we try to have, like, a standalone message. And we're going to be launching into a series called Lessons on the Lake. And what that series is about is what Jesus taught from the Lake of Jacinarat or the Sea of Galilee. He taught some stuff. Like, it was, like, not the public ministry. The lessons that he taught on the lake were, like, the private ministry between him and his disciples. And what, what did he want them to know? But as I started looking at Gideon, I was like, this might turn into its own little mini-series. <laughs> Leave it to me to turn in a standalone message into several messages. But today, there's a reason why God put Gideon on my heart. And I believe that this is a word for you today and whenever you hear it. And I, I just, I know that God wants to address some things in our hearts. And by admission, every one of us said we're dealing with some Something. Some of it is, is circumstantial, it's not normal, but some of us are dealing with things that are habitual, that we keep bringing before God, we keep praying, and we're, we're, we're to the point where we're saying, God, why is this still here? Why am I still de dealing with anxiety? Over the course of the last two years, nationwide, anxiety and depression have gone up astronomically in the world. And in the church. And there are things that are, that are happening in our world right now that there's strongholds at place that we need to address. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians that the weapons of our warfare have divine power to tear down strongholds. And that's what, that's what Gideon did. And the thing is, with strongholds, they don't show up looking like strongholds. The enemy of our soul doesn't show up looking like the enemy of our soul. He shows up looking like an angel of light. How did he show up looking like to Eve? Like, do you guys remember that story? He showed up looking like a snake in a garden. Well, would you be surprised to see a snake in your garden? No. Because when the enemy shows up, he doesn't show up looking like the enemy. Or have you guys ever heard this one, wolves in sheep's clothing? Because the enemy doesn't show up looking like the enemy. And, and today, we're going to deal with some stuff. And we're going to ask the Lord to reveal some stuff. And we're going to move forward. And we're going to believe that, that, the, that what's going on in your life, what's going on in this church, and what's going on in our nation, we're going to be equipped with weapons to tear down strongholds. Because God has an assignment for each of us. And there are, there are too many people that are trying to deal with something, but we're not getting at the source. And so we're going to just jump right in. If you're following along, we're looking at Judges chapter 6. The whole chapter. And... 
Let's just, let's just look at it. It says, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in mountains, caves, and strongholds. I want to stop right there for a second. I want you to see what's happening. So the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord stepped away. So when it says the Lord handed them over to the Midianites, what that basically means is the Lord is saying, you want to operate in your freedom. So I'll let you operate in your freedom. And so when we live in a way that does not bring honor to the Lord, I want you to see what choices we make. When we live in a way that does not bring honor to the Lord, we seek refuge in the very things that entrap us. The Midianites were so, can you go, is that, okay, yeah. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in mountains, caves, and strongholds. The very thing, those things that God wants to, to rid you of, like a cave is not a refuge place. It's a place where you get trapped. A stronghold is not, that, that, that you might be able to seek refuge in a stronghold, but guess what? The enemy's just going to encircle you and starve you out. And, and it, you get trapped. A mountain, you get trapped. And these people, they didn't realize that because they were living in such a way that brought dishonor to the Lord, the Lord removed their, his protection from them, and then suddenly the very thing that they, that they wanted protection from, they were seeking refuge in things that entrapped them. And you're like, well, man, those Israelites are idiots. We do the same thing. We seek refuge in things that entrap us. I can't tell you how many times I, I've talked to students that were wrestling with, they had, they had a hard life growing up. Their, their, their dad was abused or whatever, and then they sought refuge in pornography. And, and they, they're, free, they're using their freedom to choose something that entraps them. That's just one example. How many people choose, they, 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 they like, oh, I just want to escape. I want to escape, so I'm just going to have a couple beers tonight. Or I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to have one drag. You know, like, we, we seek refuge in things that entrap us, and, and, and that's the overflow of living a life that does not bring honor to God. Sometimes, we have to put restrictions on our life so we can walk in freedom. So we have to limit our freedom to walk in freedom. Well, that doesn't make sense. Well, that's what the Bible teaches. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. For instance, go out and get on 65. Go 100 miles an hour. There's a restriction called a and you break that restriction, and suddenly you might limit your freedom by going to jail. You might limit your freedom by ending your life. You might limit your freedom by wrecking your car. Because you broke the restriction that was there to let you go freely. And 
the Israelites, they used their freedom to dishonor God. And then, out of that choice, they sought refuge in things that entrapped them. So let, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel. Camping in the land, destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. These enemy hordes coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts. That's, that's a lot. They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. I want you to hear this. You were never too oppressed to cry out to the Lord. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care if it's your own fault. I don't care if it's a consequence of your own decision. Cry out to the Lord. You are never too oppressed. Oppressed is a, is a churchy word, but it just means that you are under attack. You're under attack. You're, there's pressure on you. You're under attack. You are never under too much attack to cry out for help. And the Israelites cried out for help. When they cried out to the Lord, um, when they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. I want you to hear this. Israel put themselves in that position by dishonoring the Lord. They cried out to the Lord. They got sick of living with the consequences of their own actions. They cried out to the Lord, and what did the Lord do? He heard them and answered them. And some, there are people here today that have been crying out to the Lord. He is hearing you, and he is answering you. But I want you to hear this. He might give you an answer that you might not want. Because they were crying out to the Lord because of the Midianites. But what does the Lord say? He said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. He wants them to remember how he heard them before. Remember they cried out and the Lord heard them and he sent a deliverer. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites. Wait, what? He didn't say, he didn't say, oh, I hear you. I'm going to wipe out the Midianites. That's what they wanted him to say. Oh, my, my children, oh, I'm here to rescue you. That, that's what they wanted. They wanted a doting dad, and he is. He, he loves you, but God loves you enough to address what's going on. They were looking at the fruit. He was looking at the root. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live, but you have not listened to me. That's all the Lord said. 
he said nothing about their oppression. Let's keep going. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah. That's not Oprah. Which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abizer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. Desperate times call for desperate measures. He didn't, like, you know, you thresh wheat, you throw it up and let the wind take the chaff and the seed falls and, and all that. But he was doing it in a wine press so he could keep the grain. And the Lord, like, he, he was hiding. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors um, they, 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 our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? Like that, that is classic victim mentality. It's, it's like I've done nothing wrong, but it's everyone else's fault. In this case, he's blaming it on God. That, that, that's what a victim does, though. And, like, the Lord just spoke something over him. Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And all this flowed out of it? That's, that, that statement? And, and, and that, that's really what victims do. Instead of recognizing, like, wait, we did evil in the eyes of the Lord. The Lord called us on it with the prophet instead of saying, I'm sorry. Gideon is like, he's, he's so caught up in his circumstances that he can't hear the identity that God just spoke over him. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Gideon replied, if you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that this is really the Lord speaking to me. And so uh, Gideon went away, and he took, and, and there, there's a lot of verses. Gideon went away. And he took and made a meal. He sacrificed a goat. He made broth. He made unleavened bread. And he brought it back. And the Lord said, stick, put it on this stone. And he did. He said, pour the broth over the stone. And, and the angel of the Lord, which whenever the Bible says angel of the Lord, we know that this is a pre-incarnate Christ. He reaches out and touches it with the staff. And the whole sacrifice is just consumed in flame. That's what happened. And then... Gideon is like terrified and it says, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. And, and Gideon is so terrified. He's like, I'm going to die. I just saw the Lord face to face. And the Lord's like, you're not going to die. I'm with you. And then Gideon took and named that place Jehovah Shalom. My God is God of peace. My God is the God of peace. And then the Lord said, the Lord said, I'm sorry, I just messed up the, the whole AV team. I, um, the Lord said, I want you to go tear down the Asherah pole and the, 
and the altar to Baal. Your father's altar to Baal and your father. His father is a leader of the clan. He's a leader of the town. He's a leader of the family. And he says, I want you to take and tear it down and then build me an altar and cut up the Asherah pole, burn that, and sacrifice the seven-year bull on top of it to worship me. That's what the Lord told Gideon to do. And Gideon went at night to do it. He took ten servants. He went at night to do all that because he was afraid that if he tried to do it during the day, the town and his family and the clan would stop him. So he did it. And the next morning, they got up and it's like, Where's the Asherah pole? Where's the altar of Baal? And you got to understand, Baal and Asherah were false gods. These are the people, these are the gods of the Amorites that the Lord said, do not worship. And Baal, you worship him by sacrificing your own children because he's a god of the harvest. And Asherah was a god of fertility and they worshiped um, that god through all sorts of immoral and sexual acts. Everything that flies in the face of God and God's saying, get rid of that out of that house. Get rid of it. You don't need it anymore. That's not from me. And so we went and did it. And then the town people were like, who tore this down? That's what we like to worship. And they found out that it was Gideon. And they walked up to his dad. And he, his dad was like, I'm not giving my son over to you. Are you crazy? If Bell is a god, let Bell defend himself. And from that point on, Gideon got a new name, Jerubabel, which means let Bell defend himself, because Bell never showed up to defend himself, FYI. Then in verse 34, after he took and tore down the altar, after he took and tore down the Asherah pole, after he heard from God, verse 34, it says, Then the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. He blew a ram's horn as a call to arms, and the men of the clan of Abizer came to him. He also sent messengers throughout Manasseh, Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, summoning their warriors, and all of them responded. Then Gideon said to God, If you are truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised, prove it to me in this way. So at this point, Gideon's not operating by faith. He's operating by need. I need God to prove something to me. He should have never asked for this, but God, so rich in mercy, did it because he knows that Gideon's human. I will put a wool fleece on a threshing floor tonight. If the fleece is wet with dew in the morning and the ground is dry, then I will know that you are going to help me Rescue Israel as you promised. Like God will break a promise. And that is just what happened. When Gideon got up early the next morning, he squeezed the fleece and wrung out a whole bowl full of water. Then Gideon said, and, and the ground was dry. Then, then Gideon said to God, please don't be angry with me. If you have to preface something with please don't be angry with me, you probably 
shouldn't do it. But let me make one more request. Let me use the fleece one more time. Well, in one more test. This time, let the fleece remain dry while the ground around it is wet with dew. So that night, God did as Gideon asked. The fleece was dry in the morning, but the ground was covered with dew. I have, I have a few thoughts for you today. And um, I, I want to hit this. The first thought, just go ahead. God goes for the root, not the fruit. God goes for the root, not the fruit. So Israel cried out to God. Deliver us from the Midianites. That was the fruit. God sent a prophet to Israel and didn't even address the Midianites. He said, I told you not to worship the gods of the Amorites, Baal and Asherah. You have not listened to me. Because how cruel would God be if he showed up and rescued them from the Midianites and they went back and did the very thing that put them in bondage to begin with? He would be so cruel, but God loves us enough not to just let things go on in our life. Some of us are dealing with things, and we've been asking God, I've been praying about this, and so I'm going to preach it like I feel it, so just bear with me. But some of us have been asking God to deal with the fruit of things in our life. Lord, I need help with anxiety. Lord, I need help with depression. Lord, I need help with lust. Lord, I need help with finances. Lord, I need help with my anger. I need help with whatever. And that is the fruit. God is so rich in mercy will help you and bring peace to those areas of your life. But that's the fruit of something else. There is a root cause to your anxiety, to your depression, to your anger problem, to to whatever, to that lust. There is a root to it. And the Bible uses the terminology of a stronghold. God never refers to himself as a stronghold. He refers to himself as a strong tower. The righteous run to and they are saved. But a stronghold is what the enemy uses to set up a base camp in your life to operate out of. So he'll come in and it won't look like a stronghold at first. You won't even realize it, but suddenly you're, you, it's causing anxiety. It's ca- and, 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 and what I'm getting at is God loves you too much to leave the root in place. He didn't even address the fruit. They wanted him to deal with the fruit because the fruit's easy to deal with. But you can remove the fruit of the tree and that fruit will come back because no fruit has ever affected a root. But if you cut the roots, the fruit will die. And let me tell you about roots. There are deep roots in this church, literally, not not, not spiritually. One of these bushes that we needed to take out, those roots, you would think, like, how could a bush have such roots? But Larry and I, mainly Larry, like, 99, he did 99.9999 repeating 7% of the work. And he, he's like, hey, can you help me with this root? And we walk out there, and we have a chainsaw, and it's not cutting the stupid root. We, I walk out there, we have a come along that can hold, like, 30,000 pounds. We wrap it around, is that a magnolia tree? I call it an annoying tree um, because it constantly drops its leaves. But 
So we have, a, we have a cables around that, and we have a cable, like a 30,000-pound cable on this tiny little root. It's like sticking up, like six inches. And we're coming along, and we're taking turns on this come-along, pulling, trying to pull this root out. And suddenly, the cable, this thousands upon thousands of pound cable, breaks, and it flies right at me. I'm like, duck, I'm, and it hits me in the leg. Larry just reaches out and grabs it like a man. Um, but I'm like, he's like, are you okay, pastor? I'm like, I think so. And, uh, but it snaps. And like, so we, um, we have to go to, like, we put so much pressure. We actually indented the bottom of the magnolia tree. Like, like that's how much pressure trying to get the stinking root out. And then we had to take a chainsaw to it. It wasn't doing, then we took stinking ax to it. And finally we cut it down enough till we could cover it with gravel. Don't go out there and dig around, because you will find it. That root is still there. It's, I'm pretty sure it's rooted in the pit of hell. Um, but what I'm getting at is roots can run deep. Strongholds can go deep, and we don't think they're strongholds. But God loves you enough to go for the stronghold. Israel wanted physical liberation, and they were, but they didn't even realize they were in spiritual incarceration. And some of us want, we want liberation of the fruit of what we're experiencing, and we don't even realize that we're incarcerated with the root. And we used our own freedom to do it. The Bible is very clear. It says, don't use your freedom to choose something that will rob you of your freedom. Paul teaches that in Galatians. He teaches that all throughout the book of Romans. Don't use the freedom you have in Christ to choose to bind yourself to something. Don't go back to sin. I remember talking to, to teenagers, and there's this old, there's this old uh, thing that we used to talk about in, in youth ministry, but behind every why, there's a lie. So you would ask a, a student, why are you doing this? And they would give you a response, but usually that's not the response. That's really not the root cause. So knowing that that was not the root cause of what's going on, you start walking with them, and then you start realizing, oh man, their home life is awful. Like they're abused. They're whatever. And then you start seeing the stronghold in their life, and then that's when you can start dismantling it because we have weapons. We have power to dismantle strongholds. But the enemy doesn't want you to identify them because he wants you to just keep snipping off that fruit in your life and you think you're good for a season, but suddenly something comes back and you're like, oh, where did that come from? And I, I'm going to be transparent. A couple, uh, Six months ago, I had a panic attack. Coming into a staff meeting with my staff, every one of my staff, I would consider a close friend. They're amazing. I, I, I would trust them with, with my family. They're amazing. And I had a panic attack, and I, and I thought, God, what, why, what's going on? And so in the moment, I'm like, Lord, I rebuke this anxiety in the name of Jesus, and I release peace. And God did give me peace. My heart rate went down, all that stuff. But I started asking myself, Lord, what's causing this? What's causing this? Because it's, it's not, anxiety is just the fruit of what's causing this in my life. And the Lord told me, you're a people pleaser. 
like, oh, like I knew that. He's, I thought I was getting that. He's like, no, you're not. Oh, okay. And, and, and honestly, on the surface, people pleasing, it looks really good. Like, it, it goes by different names. Oh, man, that person's so agreeable. He's just a nice guy. No, man, I really like him. He's just a cool dude. He, he's so easy to talk to. You know, he's, he's such a servant. Because strongholds never look like strongholds. So I started rebuking people-pleasing. I'm still working on it. But the reality is, people-pleasing makes me violate family time. Instead of saying, no, I can't, I'm like, I'll, I'll try to find a way. And suddenly, I'm sacrificing the very thing that I said I would never sacrifice, my family all to our ministry. The enemy's like, oh, we'll see about that. And I'm like, I am, I, I'm, I'm to the point where God, God is thinking generationally with, the, with, with your life. I want you to understand that. God is thinking generationally. And I don't want my kids growing up being people pleasers. I want them to have a strong will to say no especially this peer pressure. And I want you to know this. If I tell you no, I can't do something, it's not because I dislike you. It's because I'm protecting something that's more important. My family, my marriage, my time with God. And so what I'm getting at is I would have never got, guessed that was causing that anxiety. But I started addressing that. I was afraid, Lord, if, if, if we talk about this in staff meeting, will the staff still like me? I'm like, are you joking? Like, I wasn't giving my staff enough credit. And But that's what, that's what strongholds do. I'm being dead, I, I, I'm being really vulnerable here, guys, because it's serious. There are people dealing with things that, you think, you're, you're like, I don't know why I'm anxious. And we've been praying, or I don't know why I'm depressed. And we've been praying, and we will continue to pray about the, the fruit. We, I don't want anyone, or I don't know why I'm dealing with lust or whatever. I don't want anyone dealing with that. But there is a reason. There is a stronghold, and you might not be what you think. Israel called out to God for physical liberation, but they were spiritually incar incarcerated. They were in prison of their own making because they, choose, they chose to worship gods other than God. And some of us are choosing to find comfort and to find things in other than God and it's resulting in anxiety. Some of us are filling our heads up with, it could be the news, it could be books, it could be whatever. And we wonder where things, like it could be music, it could be what I'm getting at is, there's nothing wrong with any of those, okay? Well, maybe the news. But when we fill ourselves up with something other than God it's going to produce a stronghold. And we're going to start leaning on that to bring satisfaction in our life. 
to bring enjoyment in our life, to bring fulfillment in our life. And that's what strongholds do. Because it wants to take your center off of God. It wants to take your source off of God. And then it starts producing all these little fruits. God, I can't get my finances under control. Well, do you, are, you, are you stingy or are you generous? Are you paying your tithe? Because if you're stingy and, and, not, and not doing what God told you to do, there's a stronghold. And you can't expect God to bless you financially if you're not walking in, in, in his commands for you. Like, I'm just naming one. The Bible says a generous person's world grows and grows and grows, but a stingy person's world shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. That's just one. This is, this is a very generous church. I'm, I'm, I'm saying that. Like, you guys are amazing. And I want to I still feel thunder next week. In the, but I'm not going to. I'm going to let him share about missions and all that. But you guys are awesome. But th- that's just one area. God does not want you to stay incarcerated spiritually. He doesn't. He did not want the Israelites to stay incarcerated spiritually. Before he addressed their physical liberation, he addressed their spiritual incarceration. And the second thing I I want to talk to you about is God calls it before we see it. God calls it before he sees it, before we see it. So God walked up to Gideon, and he called him mighty warrior, mighty hero. I am with you. And Gideon did not look the part, did not feel the part, did not act the part. And the Lord has spoken over some of your lives something that you don't Feel, act, or think. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. If God has said it, everything you need to to walk in that identity of you is wrapped up in the fact that God said it. You don't need extra sources of validation. If the Lord has called you, if the Lord has said you are more than a conqueror, which he has, if the Lord has said you are a child of God, which he has, if the Lord has said I am with you, which he has, everything that is required to walk in that identity is in the fact that God said it. Whether you feel it or not, Gideon didn't have to feel it to be a mighty warrior because God spoke that over him. Because God always calls it before we see it. We did not see it. But but before, I I want you to get this. He says, go in the strength you have. And then he says, and, and, and then he says, deliver your people from the Midianites, for I am with you. He gave him an assignment. And he gave him an identity. But before Gideon could walk in his assignment, he had to get his worship in alignment. And some of us are right there. It's that back to that root thing. Because God addresses the root and not the fruit. And, and, and God's saying, I've given you an assignment, but your worship is all out of whack. You've been finding things, finding comfort, finding in other things. Other than me. And God's saying, you have an assignment. Now get your worship in alignment. And then, then it says... 
God clothed him with power. And let me, let me tell you guys, when you start getting your worship in alignment, when you start addressing the strongholds that are pulling you out of alignment in your worship, in, in your service to God, when you start asking the Lord to say, Lord, where are the strongholds in my life? What's the root cause of these things? Let, 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 me, let me tell you what's going to happen. There are going to be people in your life that are not going to be happy with you. They're gonna, the enemy's going to rear his head. He's going to show his colors. These people that you thought were your friends, but when you get serious with God, the, you're going to discover they weren't on assignment from God in your life. They were on assignment from the enemy in your life to keep you where you're at. It's okay to cut them off. It's okay to say no more because some people aren't, aren't our destiny. Gideon did what God told him to do. He tore down the altars. He addressed the stronghold in the nation. He said, no more will we worship Baal. No more will we worship Asherah. This is not how we worship the one true God. He built an altar to the one true God. He cut up the, the, the Asherah pole and he sacrificed a bull and he got his worship in alignment. And his whole family, his whole clan came out and wanted to kill him. Because he did what God told him to do. He was walking in obedience and the assignment of God. I'm gonna, I gotta chill out. I'm getting way too excited. And I don't want you guys to think I'm yelling at you. I'm, I'm not trying. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm really not trying to be like that, guys. I, I, I'm, I, there are strongholds in our nation that only the church can tear down. There are strongholds in our family that only you can tear down through God at work in you. There are strongholds in your life that God wants to tear down. And we gotta quit messing around with the fruit. God has placed an assignment on you individually. He's placed an assignment on this church corporately. And if we want to walk in that assignment, there are things we have to tear down. It could be, I, I, I don't know. You know, though. Maybe you don't. And that's how we're going to respond today. We're going to ask the Lord to reveal things. And the last, the last thought I want to leave you with. Go in the strength you have. Go in the strength you have. I want you to see this. God shows up speaking to Gideon. And he says, mighty warrior, I am with you. And Gideon's like, what do you mean you're with me? Are my nation's starving and where are the miracles? And he's looking at his circumstances. And, and I'm so guilty of this. Like my, my brain is like a railway track goes in one direction, and if I'm doing this, and Amy's speaking to me, I don't know what she's saying. <laughs> she could be, I'll have a whole conversation, and I'm like, what? And I'll, I'll literally say, Ames, and, she, and, and we're learning, we're almost 10 years into this, we're, we're starting to learn, Amy will say, hey, can you pause that for a second? Because it's not, it's not rude, I, it's not I want to pause it so I can give my full attention to her because I am not my wife. 
She's much better looking than me. She's way older than me. Um, oh, wait, I'm just joking. I'm joking. Uh, but she can do, she could be doing a million things, like a million things, and then having a conversation with me and then doing everything perfectly. And I just sit back and going like, I'm distracted at the fact that you can do all this and still give me your full attention. I am blown away. And, but Gideon is so caught up focusing on all this stuff. He must be like me, that he did not hear what God has said over him. God spoke an identity over him, mighty warrior. And then I love, I love this next part that God says. He says, go in the strength you have, for I am with you. Then Gideon addresses something. He says, my clan is the weakest in the tribe. My family is the weakest in the clan, and I am the least in my family. So out of the whole tribe of Manasseh, Gideon is saying he's the weakest. And the very thing that he thought disqualified him from serving God is the very thing that God used and qualified him. God said, go on the strength you have before Gideon addressed how weak he was. And someone needs to hear this today. If God is with you, and he is, then the strength you have is more than enough. So I'm telling you, get up and go in the strength you have, carry out the assignment that God spoke on your life, for God is with you. God is with you. If God would have called someone else that looked the part, that already had an army, people would sit back and say, well, that makes sense. That makes sense. That's why God chose them, because they already had the big army. They already had, the, you know, if he would have called someone out of the tribe of Judah, which is the biggest tribe, it might have made sense. They might have been able to muster 300,000 people to go fight. But he chose the weakest person of all Israel and says, I'm with you, and your strength is more than enough. Go in the strength you have. He didn't say, go raise an army. He didn't even tell him that. He didn't tell him to raise an army. That was Gideon's mindset. I got to raise an army. If you know the story, Gideon won a battle against hundreds of thousands without swinging a sword. In fact, all they did was break jars and blow horns. They didn't have to swing a sword. Because your strength, if God is with you, is more than enough. Some of you guys have been throwing out a fleece for years. God has told you to do something. Maybe it's talk to a coworker, pray with a friend, do something. I, I don't know what that is, but you know it. And, and when I said that, God is... And you've been saying, okay, God, if this is you, and you've been throwing out your fleece, you're after your, okay, Lord, if it's, if it's you, you'll do this. Or if it's you, no, if God told you, that's all you need. Because God is with you. 
God is with you. God is with you. Go in the strength you have. The time for fleece throwing is over. It's time to get up, go in the strength we have, and win Columbia. Win Spring Hill. Win Santa Fe, Kolioka. Go in the strength you have. Because if God is with you, your strength is more than enough. So I, I want to I I respond in a couple ways. Because I think there's different people that need to respond differently to this. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've never asked him to forgive your sins, you've never asked... You, You've never confessed your faith that he is a son of God, that, that he died on the cross, and that he rose again. If you're here today, I'm going to be up here, and I would love to make that introduction. I would love to pray with you. Maybe you're here today, and you've walked away from a relationship with Jesus, and you have not been living for him, and you say, Ryan, I want to give my life back to him. I want to make him king of my life. I want to make him in charge of my life, because my way is not the right way. If that's you, that's addressing the root. That's addressing the root. That, that's like number one root cause of everything going wrong. It really is. When you make the Lord of your life, I'm not saying your problems dissipate, but you start thinking differently. You start making decisions differently. But maybe you're in a second category, and I, I think there, there are actually a lot of people in this category and you're dealing with some fruit in your life. And it's not the fruit of the Spirit. It's not love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's, it's anxiety. It's depression. It's unforgiveness. It's, it's uh, financial. It, 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 it's fruit. And you keep dealing with it week in, week out. Day in, day out. Maybe it's gotten to the point where the fruit's been so strong in your life that it's robbed you of all peace. It's, it's, it's just robbed you because that's what it's going to do. Like fruit sucks away from the life force of the tree. Like that's how it grows. And you've been praying and God's been faithful. He's been helping you deal with the fruit because he loves you. But I, I think what, what I, how I want you to respond today is if you, if, you, if you are ready and you're ready for the Lord to maybe give you an answer you might not like. But if you're sick of dealing with that fruit, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, reveal to me the root cause of why I'm dealing with this. And then give me a strategy to uproot it. With my people pleasing, I started rebuking people pleasing. I started telling myself, I'm not a people pleaser. I aim to please God first and seek to fulfill his will. And then I started making myself tell people no. Or doing things even though they might 
get upset with me, I would say, you know what, I have to do this. It's the right thing to do. And guess what? Every time, it's been okay. It's been okay. Sometimes I wish I could be like more like my wife because she has no problem telling people no. And I think my daughter is just like her. Praise God. Like, sissy, give daddy a hug. No. Oh. So, praise God. But God gave me a strategy. God identified it, and now it was up to me. Here's the thing. Once God identifies a stronghold in your life, it's our responsibility to uproot it. Because suddenly we can't plead ignorance anymore. God addressed Israel's stronghold. Idolatry. Then before Gideon could liberate them physically, he had to tear down the stronghold spiritually and rebuild the right thing. So if you're here, like you, you, you can do it up here. You can do it at your seat, but I want you to, to ask, Lord, reveal. Give me spiritual, strategic strategies for the strongholds. Reveal the root. And maybe, maybe that's not you. <clears throat> maybe, maybe you're here and the Lord's told you to do something, like Gideon. And you keep throwing out fleece. You need to pray for strength. Here's the thing. The Holy Spirit had to clothe Gideon with power to walk out his assignment. He's already done that to us. We have no excuse. He's already poured his spirit out on us. He's already empowered us. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. So we got to quit making excuses. And maybe we need to repent and say, okay, God, give me the courage and the boldness and the faith to step out. So if you need Jesus, I'm going to be up here. If, if, you, if, you, if you're sick of dealing with the fruit and you want to address the root, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the root and give strategies, number two. And then if, if maybe, maybe you are in this third category. Lord, give me faith and boldness to step out and be obedient. Forgive me of delaying it. So as Pastor Ben leads, let's all stand. I find it's easier to respond when we're standing. I also find that as we worship Bible says the Lord inhabits the praises of his people so he's already here but but he inhabits and as we start asking maybe you need prayer for something else my wife and I will be up here to pray with you but what I don't want you to do is just stand there idly by maybe you need to pray for someone else that's dealing with the stronghold that's called intercession that you can see in their life and they won't listen to you. But you can pray for them that the Holy Spirit reveals it to them. And even if you don't feel like you're dealing with a stronghold, I, I think it's always a good course of action to say, Lord, is there one? Maybe it's pride. <laughs> I don't know. But what I don't want to do is us to do nothing. To do nothing. Let's, let, let's, let's respond. I'm going to be right up here.
If you need Jesus, you need to respond. Let's go. just begun a failure won't define me cause that's what my father does a failure won't define me cause that's what my father does
Lord, we thank you for your word. God, the word that that you've given us to live by, Lord, that we can pull things out of it and directly apply it to our lives. God, I thank you that you right now are speaking to people about strongholds in their life, that you are starting the process of uprooting, and that, God, as a week goes on and as they continue to pray through this process of uprooting these strongholds, God, I pray that you would be with them, that you would encourage them, that you would go before them, Lord, and that they would experience the freedom like they've never experienced before that the, the uprooting of these strongholds will produce such freedom that they are able to trust you, that they are able to move forward and to do what you have called them to do. God, I pray over your church right now. Lord, I, I speak health in them in the name of Jesus, protection, provision, God, calmness, peace in Jesus' name over your church over your people and God I pray that this last week God as we are fasting and seeking your your face God I thank you for the things that are going to come out of this week the miracles that you're going to do this week the 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 people that you're going to call to a deeper relationship with you this week God we thank you for who you are we thank you for what you're doing God and we can't wait to see how you use us and how you use C1 to further your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a great week. We will see you next week.